Hey, this is Byron, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church. Thanks for listening to our weekly sermon podcast. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, and helps you experience life change through Jesus. For more sermons like this, blogs, resources, or opportunities to get connected, visit us at www.redemptiontx.com. Redemption Church exists to see a gospel-centered movement in the heart of the city where every man, woman, and child experiences life change through Jesus. That's who we are, that's what we do, and that's why we exist, so that every man, woman, and child experiences life change through Jesus. And last week was all about the ladies. Last week, we studied Proverbs 31 called Wisdom for Women, and all week long, the women in the church were just texting, calling, having conversations in our connect page or in their community group just saying how blessed and how wonderful and how awesome the message was, how it let them be free. And they were like, you know, pursue after progress, not after perfection. Thank you, Pastor Byron. I feel like I can breathe. That's called life change for the ladies. And then last week, we also saw that as a church, we dedicated 13 children to the Lord, that we were able to come alongside parents to be able to dedicate their children, and the church is able to see life change in the children. But my question is, what about the men? Okay, we know what life changed for the women, we know about life change for the children, but what does life change look like for the men? And that's what we're gonna be talking about today as we dive into the study in the book of Proverbs called Wisdom for Life, and we're gonna be talking about wisdom for men. And whenever the ladies go to any conference or a women's conference or they have a little woman's Bible study, here's what they get. They just get tons of encouragement. Okay, you go and they're like, ladies, you're amazing, you're awesome, God's your father, here's your identity. Come on, don't be so hard on yourself. Ladies, you're great. And then the mascara's flowing and they're laughing and they got their flowers and they're just so excited because they walk out very encouraged. That's not what you get at a men's conference. (laughs) That's not what you get at a men's ministry. That's not what you get at a men's sermon, right? Here's what men get punched in the face. Okay, men get, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing? Where are you at? What's going on? You're better than this. Come on. You're stinky. You're terrible. You're horrible. The world's a mess. Where you been? We need you. Paul says you're the glory of God. It's time for you to grow up, be a man. It's time for you to start acting like a man. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Amen? Because here's the deal. Men and women are different. Okay, I don't know if you know that or not, but men and women are different, equal, but different. No matter what the culture or society wants to tell you, men and women are different. And the Bible, it actually tells us we're to teach men and women in different ways. So the Bible will tell us we're supposed to encourage women and children. That means we come alongside of them and we support them. That's what the word encouragement means, that you support. So we're to come alongside the women and the children to be able to encourage them. But then the Bible tells us that we're to exhort men. Okay, exhortation and encouragement are different. Okay, encouragement means you're going to be okay. We can do this. Don't be so hard on yourself, right? Exhorting means get up and do something. That's what exhorting means. Exhorting means to urge someone, to call them to action. Men don't need to be encouraged to sit on the sidelines. Men need to be exhorted to get in the game because too many men have sat by idly and not got up and done their job. We need men. We need men now more than ever before. Where are the men? 
Where are the men who are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Where are the men who are going to lift up holy hands in worship to the Lord? Where are the men who are going to sit on the front row and lead our church? Where are the men who are going to love their wives, love their children, love their Lord, love their life, and leave a legacy behind them? Where are the men? That's what men need. Men need to be told, you're the glory of God. You're the glory of God. You could do better. We could be better. The church deserves better. That's what the men need. So men don't need just to be encouraged and to get a little pat on the back. Men need to be exhorted and get a little punch in the face. Men, men don't need to be beat up. Okay, men need to be built up. Men need to be urged to action. And so that's what Proverbs does, and that's what we're going to do today. And I want to start off by asking this question. It's the first question ever asked in the history of the world. Okay, and it comes from God himself. It's in Genesis 3.19. And it really sets the trajectory for manhood throughout the rest of the Bible. God made a garden, and he put a man and a woman in that garden and says, I want you to take care of this garden. The world was perfect. Okay, the relationship was perfect. The woman was perfect. The man was perfect. Everything was perfect. And then Eve, the first woman, she sinned, and she gave in to the temptation from Satan. Where was Adam whenever Eve sinned? He was standing right beside her. He did nothing. Whenever sin enters into the world, it becomes broken, fractured, flawed, and everything falls apart. God goes into the garden, and who does God hold responsible? It ain't the woman. Who does God talk to? It ain't the woman. Who does God go looking for? It ain't the woman. Here's what God says. I put a man in this garden. Where's the man? Where's the man? The Lord goes and he called out to him and he said, where are you? Where's the man? I put a man here. Where did he go? First problem in the world was because the man was missing. Guess what? It's the same problem today. The world is a mess and the men are missing. Where are the men? Sin is in the world. Where are the men? It's the same problem. Today, for the first time in the nation's history, more children are going to be born out of wedlock than in marriage. 40% of children are going to go to bed tonight without a father in their home. Where are the men? For the first time in the nation's history, more women are in the workforce, more women graduate college, more women have driver's license, more women vote. Where's the men? And it's even in the church. 70% of the church attendance in America is women. Today, there's going to be 11 more w women worshiping Jesus than men in the house of the Lord. Where are the men? And I'm glad that the ladies love Jesus. I'm glad that the children are experiencing life change. I'm glad that the ladies are, are, are serving and, and doing what God's created them to do, but my question is, where are the men? Count men, every and it even affects our church. Last week, we had almost 300 people. We count men every single Sunday. I don't know if you know that, but when they're going through, taking up, you know, doing the attendance, every single Sunday, they track men. 
How many men do we have in our church? We had 300, almost 300 attendants last week, minus children. We had 71 men. Look around you. What that means to tell me is this. Every single Sunday, women are walking into our church, checking their kids in, lifting up their hands to worship, and taking communion by themselves. Where's the man? What that tells me is that we have single young women in our church who are looking for a Christian man to be able to have a Christian marriage, to raise Christian children, and they can't find them. Where are the men? They're at home, sitting on the couch, playing video games, downloading porn, sleeping with women that they have no intention to marry, fathering children they have no intention to raise, playing games, watching TV, Hobbies, interests, activities, selfishness. No one teaches you how to be a man. That's why there's no men, is because nobody taught them how to be men. There's nowhere in the world that a young man can go to learn how to be a man. Okay, can't go ask your dad, he probably wasn't home. There's nowhere you can go. You can't go to the school. You can't take a class in college. You can't take a men's study class. That's sexist. You you can't do it. You can't watch a YouTube video about masculinity because they'll flag it as inappropriate. There's nowhere you can go to learn how to be a man. You can't learn how to be a man on the internet. You can learn how to take advantage of women through pornography, but it's not gonna teach you how to get a wife and love her and stay married for 50 years. You can't learn that on the internet. There's nowhere in the world. They're not gonna teach you at two o'clock in the morning at Luke's hanging out with your idiot friends. There's nowhere in this world they can teach you how to be a man. So we're gonna have to go to the word of God instead. We're going to need wisdom for men. The men in our church, the world is broken, fractured, flawed, fallen apart. The world needs you. This church needs you. Your home needs you. And you're going to need to get wisdom. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to study the book of Proverbs. And we think, if only there was a book of the Bible dedicated to teaching young boys how to become men, if there was only a book in the Bible inspired by the Holy Spirit, written from a father to a son to teach us how to raise men. Oh, that's right. There is a book. It's called Proverbs. The entire book of Proverbs, while applicable for the ladies, is primarily for men. I don't know if you know that or not, but the whole point of Proverbs is from a father to a son, teaching him how to grow up and be a man. And so there's lessons for the ladies, but really the principle is for the men. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk to the young men, to the men, I want to talk to the grown men, and then I want to talk to the older men. So it's going to be about the men. Ladies, listen, because you're going to hold these men accountable. Hey, ladies, don't check out on me today. You need to listen so that way you can know what it looks like to meet a guy, to marry him, what to expect out of him, and what to expect out of a father and the church that you serve. People ask me, they say, Pastor Byron, last week we did the Proverbs 31 woman. There's a whole chapter dedicated to the, the wisdom for women. Where's the chapter in the Bible for the men? Where's the Proverbs 31 for the men? The answer is there's not one. Right, because men don't get one chapter, men get 31 chapters. Okay, the ladies, you only needed one chapter. You're like, thank you, Lord, I got it. Men, you're a little thick. 
It's going to take a little bit more. Okay, you're going to need 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs to teach you wisdom. And so we're going to survey the book of Proverbs, and I'm going to speak to the young men first. Okay, so if you're a young man under the age of 18, could you do me a favor? Could you just stand up for a sec? Young men under the age of 18, would you do me a favor and stand up? Let's give these young men a big round of applause. Stay standing for just a sec. Stay standing for just a sec. Come on, stand up. Stay standing for just a sec. I want to say thank you so much for being here. You could be sleeping right now. I know you probably stayed up really late, but you still woke up early and you didn't give your parents hell to get here. I know that church is probably not the first thing on your mind throughout the week, but I want you to know that you being here is so important to us. And I'm about to read you a scripture, and I want you to know I called you young men. I didn't call you boys, because you ain't boys. You're young men. See, as parents, we don't raise boys. We raise men. The world will say you're a boy. The word says you're a young man. So I have a word for you. Let me read it to you, and then you can grab a seat. Listen, my son, to your father's instructions and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland of grace for your head and they are a chain that adorns your neck. You guys may go ahead and grab a seat. For you young men, the most important lesson you will ever learn in your life, you're learning it right now, is to listen. It's the most important lesson you will ever learn is that you will listen. Right now you are under the authority and the responsibility of your parents. But one day, they won't be there for you. One day, you're going to grow up, you're going to move off, you're going to go to college, you're going to get a job, you're going to start your career, you're going to get married, have your own kids, and they're not going to be there to bail you out. One day, they're, they're going to be gone. One day, they will even pass away. And then you're going to be the man. You're under their authority, you're under their responsibility, and the most important thing you will learn how to do in your life right now is you will learn how to listen. If you learn to listen, you'll make wise decisions. Go ask any 30-year-old loser who wasted his life, and you say, what happened? I guarantee you they say the biggest regret I ever made in my life is I didn't listen when I was your age. They tried to warn me. They tried to tell me. They tried to help me. I wouldn't listen. I thought I had all of the answers. I thought I knew it all. I was going to do my own thing and live my own life. I was going to do, no, foolishness. Listen to your parents. He says, listen to your mother's, inst- your mother's instruction. Listen to your mother. Okay, if you have a mom who loves the Lord and prays over you, you're blessed. If you have a mom who is loving and helping you're blessed. If you have a father in the home, you're blessed. Go to school this week and ask, ask, your, ask your friends, hey, when was the last time you saw your dad read his Bible? Didn't happen. Go to school and ask, when was the last time you saw your, your dad kiss your mom? Didn't happen. Say, when was the last time on a Tuesday y'all sat down for family dinner and just talked about your feelings and what you're experiencing in life. Didn't happen. If you have a mother and a father, you are blessed. Listen to them. And here's what he says. If you will learn to listen, it'll be like a garland of grace on your head and it will be an adornment around your neck. You know what he's saying to you? You're going to be head and shoulders above everybody else your age. 
you'll be head and shoulders above everybody else because all your friends are idiots. (laughs) Seriously, Generation Z is a wreck. You have kids who are downloading porn, getting drunk, alcohol, drug addiction, insecurities, depression. Your generation is a fool's parade. And if you get wisdom from your parents, you'll be head and shoulders above everybody else. You'll get into better colleges. You will meet women. You will make them your wives. You'll have more children. You'll be married longer. You'll make more money. Opportunities, and one day, this nation will be yours. You will be the leaders of this nation. But here's the thing. You gotta quit thinking about just having fun. See, some of you think, my parents are trying to ruin my life. They're not trying to ruin your life. They're trying to prevent you from ruining your life. They're like, they don't want me to have fun. That's not true. They want you to have a future. See, for you young men, you think more about having fun than you think about having a future. Here's, the, here's what makes a boy. Boys think about fun, but men think about their future. One day, you will be the man in your house. Get wisdom. One day, you will be the father in your house. You get wisdom. One day, you will be in the workforce. You need wisdom. One day, you will be the boss, and everybody's going to come work for you. You need to get wisdom. One day, I'm going to die, and I'm going to give you this church. I need you to have wisdom. For the young men, don't think about fun. You need to be thinking more about your future. Listen to your parents. The second group we're going to talk to is this. We're going to talk to the men. Okay, if you're ages 18 to 35, would you do me a favor, men? Would you stand up, 18 to 35? Let me see, where's, where's the men at? Okay, where's the men? All right. Let's give these men a round of applause. <laughs> Statistically, you are the least likely person to attend church in America. And here you are getting yelled at for an hour. Thank you so much. I got a verse for you men, and I want you to memorize it because you're going to need it. Get it tattooed because you're going to need it. Here, what's your, what it is. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But an abundance of crops comes from the strength of an ox. Proverbs 14.4. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat. You know, you notice here, I didn't call you young men. I called you men. Because you ain't young men, you're men. The world will tell you you're a young adult. That's a lie. You're an adult adult. There is no such thing as young men who are 25 years old. You're a man. Okay, see, the world will want you to stay a child forever because they don't know what to do with men. The world is afraid of masculinity and manhood, so it's lied to you and told you to stay a little child for as long as you want. That's not true. You're not a young adult. You're a man. And here's the difference between boys and men. It's responsibilities. See, for you, you have every single opportunity that any other man has. You can go to work. You can get a job. You can have a career. You can save for retirement. You can get married. You can have kids. You can become a member of a church. You can become a deacon. You can become an elder. You have every other opportunity that any other man in this room has. The problem is you don't have any responsibilities. We have boys who shave. They have man's opportunities, but they have no man's responsibilities. That's the problem with this world. And here's the reason why. It's because nobody told you when you were a man. There is no rites of passage for men. 
There's no mile markers. Nobody knows when you become a man. And so that's the reason we have 30-year-olds who still act like teenagers because they don't know when to become a man. Is it when I'm 16 when I can drive? Is it 18 when I get a driver's license and vote? Is it 21 when I can drink? Is it when I go to college? Is it when I, you know, lose my virginity? Is it when I get married? Is it when I have kids? When I make $55,000 a year? Nobody knows when they become men. That's the reason why so many men still act like little boys. You know, 100 years ago, we knew exactly when men became men. There was different sociological variables that would click into place in a rapid succession, typically around the age of 18 years old, that you would move out of your parents' house. Parents said, amen. You would move out of your parents' house. You would get your own house. You'd meet a girl. You'd make her your wife. You would start a career job. Then you would have kids. You were a man, most likely by the age of 18. In the Bible days, you were a man anywhere between 13 and 18 years old. That's where manhood began. That young men, they would read the book of Proverbs, they would memorize it, have a bar mitzvah, and then they would become men. Today, we don't know. Because nobody ever told you or taught you when you became a man. Because the culture wants you to stay a child for as long as you can. And and I, I don't blame you you know, because we just were dealt a bad hand of cards. I, I don't blame you. I'm not mad at you for it because that's just the way that we were raised. That we were sent to schools to teach us standardized testing instead of critical thinking. We were sent to sports leagues that gave us a trophy just for showing up so we never learned how to lose or build integrity in our lives. We were raised by parents who weren't there, broken homes, you know, blended families. Most of us were raised by grandparents. I was raised by my grandparents. Okay, my grandparents, they did the best job in the world. They were there for every single sports game I went to. They were there at every single graduation that I had. They paid for me. They provided for me. They prayed for me. They put a Bible in my hands. But grandparents, they weren't made by God to raise children. They were made by God to pump them full of bluebell ice cream and send them home. That's the reason God gave grandparents. And we have a whole generation raised by grandparents. That's tragic. It's not why God made grandparents. Either we were over-mothered or we were under-fathered. That our dad wasn't there, he was too busy working to discipline us or to encourage us, and our mother was so worried about us getting hurt, she wouldn't actually learn to let us fail. We've been let down. There was a book called Guy Land, and it says that your generation is going to be the first downwardly mobile generation in all of U.S. history. That means you're going to make less money, you're going to get married later in life, you're more likely to have a divorce, you're going to father less children, you're going to suffer higher rates of anxiety, poverty, depression, and suicide more than any other nation, any other time in our nation's history. The world has failed you. The church has failed you too, though. Because what we did is when you were children, we said, no, don't worry about parents teaching you the Bible. You just come to church, and we have this little program set up for you, and we're going to do it all for you. And so parents, you just sit back. I know you're working really hard, so don't worry about it. We have a youth pastor, and our youth pastor is going to do it. And so we go to youth group on Wednesday nights, and instead of learning the word of God and lifting our hands in worship, we learned how to play stupid games drinking Cokes out of a sock. They said, oh, this is youth group. No, that's entertainment. And it's failed you. The world has failed you. The church has failed you. But I'm not letting you off the hook. There's a responsibility that you have as a man. 
Yeah, you were dealt a bad hand of cards, but you don't gotta be a loser. You can win. You can turn this tide. You can change this ship. You can change this world. You can change it if you just got up and you did something. So many, how many of you men, you think you're a victim. You walk around with a victim's mentality. You say, oh, it's somebody else's fault. It's not my fault. They're the ones to blame. It's my mom's fault. It's my dad's fault. He never hugged me. It's the government's fault. It's the girlfriend's fault. It's the parent's fault. It's the church's fault. The pastor was mean. It's somebody else's fault. No, it might be, but it's your responsibility now. Stop being a victim. Start being the underdog. Nobody follows a victim. Nobody, nobody loves a victim. They feel sorry for victims. You got so many people feeling sorry for you. Stop it. You're not a victim. You're an underdog. People love underdogs. People cheer for underdogs. People celebrate underdogs. People follow underdogs. Change your thinking. You're not a victim. You're an underdog. You can change. You can win. You can turn this ship around. You can make a difference with your life. And here's how you do it. You get a shovel. Proverbs 14.4. Here's what he says. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but an abundance of crops comes by the strength of an ox. So many young men, you want clean barns and an abundance of crops at the same time. It ain't the way it works. If you got a clean barn, you're going to starve to death. If your barn's messy, you're going to get an abundance of crops. The ox is your responsibilities. The more responsibilities you have, the greater the legacy you leave. But the problem is, while the ox is your responsibilities, oxes make mess. You know what ox do? The crap. <laughs> Men, you're going to be shoveling crap for the rest of your life. The more crap, the more crops. You get an ox, the ox is going to crap, but that ox is going to bring an abundance of crops in your life. And so many young men, they want clean barn and they want to eat somebody else's crops. This is the reason why people, young men, your age, this is the reason why you live in a hookup, shack up, break up culture. You see a pretty girl, you want her crops, but you ain't want to bring her in your barn. This is why so many men live with their parents. They're like, my mom has a barn, my mom has crops, I'll go to her barn and eat her crops. No, you get your own barn, you get your own ox, you grow your own crops. And for you ladies, you need to stop babying these guys. Mothers, girlfriends, wives, you're contributing to it. You tell them, no, this is my barn. You ain't my ox no more. We want the government to give us the crops. We say, oh, free health care, free education. That ain't free. Somebody paid for that. That's somebody else's crops. We have too many men who want clean hands and an abundance of crops. That's not the way that it works. You grab a shovel, you start shoveling. We also have young men who expect other people to come shovel their barn for them. The young men, they're like, oh, you know, I, I, I just can't find a job. Could you? No, go get to work. 
Here's your shovel, go. Oh, my life is a mess. And they sit down on the couch and they're like, Pastor, can you help me? I'm like, yeah, I can help you by giving you a shovel, but I ain't gonna do the work for you. People come into the church, my marriage is falling apart. Can you do something? No, I can give you a shovel though, and then you can go back home and you can start shoveling your marriage. People want to get in this, they're like, I'm sitting here. You didn't get on the couch in a day. You ain't getting off that couch in a day. You need to get to work. You need to go home, buddy. You need to start shoveling. We want somebody else to do our shovel. Can my community group help me shovel? Right? Can, 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 can the serve team help me shovel? Pastor, can you come help me shovel? No, you shovel. You're a man. Shovel. We need less boys who shave, and we need more men who shovel. That's what the world needs. That's what the church needs. You need to get shoveling, because the more ox you have, the greater your legacy is. The more crap you have, the more crops you get. And if you want abundance of crops, you're going to be shoveling crap for the rest of your life. That's what it means for you to be a man. So let me give you five ox that you need in your life. Okay, the first ox you need is you need God. God is the big ox. Okay, and if you get God in your barn, it's going to be a mess. Trust me. God's going to come in. He's going to wreck your life. He's going to mess you up. He's going to crap all over the floor. He's going to show you just how selfish and terrible and how immature you are. And God's going to come in and he's going to change you. God's going to come in. He's going to change you and he's going to give you an abundance in your life. If you've got a clean barn, it's because you ain't got no God in their barn. If your barn's clean, you ain't got God, that's for sure, because I've been following Jesus for 12 years, and I ain't been bored since. <laughs> He's always putting me to work. If God ain't in your barn, you need to get him. The second thing, the second ox you need is this. You need a wife. Your wife is an ox. Don't tell her I said that. <laughs> But she's the best ox you'll ever have. She is faithful. She's true. She prays for you. She blesses you. She's faithful towards you. She loves you. And she ain't going to put up with your crap. Because she's your ox. It's the best ox you'll ever have in her life. So many men putting off marriage. It's just because you don't want responsibilities. The average marriage for a man today is 30 years old. You know why? Because so many young men are looking for the perfect ox and they're not willing to grab a shovel. You men, stop thinking about the perfect ox. You need to pick up a shovel. Because if there's a problem with your ox, that's your ox, that's your problem. If your marriage is a mess, that's your problem. She's your ox. It looks to me like your ox hasn't been prayed for in a while. It looks to me like your ox hasn't read her Bible in a while. That's your ox. Boy, you better get to work. Looks like your ox hasn't been encouraged. Looks like your ox hasn't had quality time. There's a problem in your marriage. That's your ox. That's your responsibility. Better get shoveling. People want the perfect ox. They need to get a better shovel. The third ox you get is you get kids. Okay, and guess what kids do? They crap. (laughs) Everywhere. Right, my ox right now is pregnant. I'm about to have two baby ox in my house. A whole lot of crap. Play-Doh, everywhere. Coloring books, everywhere. Diapers, everywhere. But you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way. 
because children show you just what it means to be a man. They show you the love of the Father towards you. Children make you a better man. You need to get some kids. The, the, the fourth one that you get is this. You get work, okay? Men, you need to work. You were made to work. Some people say that fall brought work. That ain't true. God put you in that garden to bring dominion to this world. Work came before the fall. Men, you need to get to work. I've never met so many lazy men in my life. They think, well, what if I, what if I get tired? You were made to be tired. <laughs> men weren't made to have energy. You were made to use your energy to be wrung out for the glory of God, for the good of your home, and for the good of others in this world. So many men are bored. A bored man is a dangerous man. You need to work. And if you work a part-time job, you're going to get part-time crops. If you work a minimum wage job, you're going to get minimum wage crops. If it takes you seven years to get a grad degree and associates from a junior college, you're going to get junior crops. You need to work. You need to have some ambition. You need to have some drive. You need to have some motivation. You need to provide for your family. You need to go up to your boss and you need to talk to him about getting a raise. You need to find a new job if you need one. You need to work. You aren't made to have energy. You were made to use your energy. That's your ox. And the more you shovel, the more crops you get. The harder you work, the more you get promoted. It's your attitude, it's your willingness to work, come home, be tired for the glory of God, get a job. Amen. The fifth thing is this, Redemption Church. Redemption Church is your ox. And this is a fruitful harvest. This is an abundance of crops. We are seeing God do something amazing in our church where every single week people are walking through these doors, they're getting saved, they're getting baptized, they're giving their lives to Jesus, that we have people who are being you know, delivered from addiction, people who are walking, are being reconciled, people are being healed, getting filled with the Holy Spirit. We have people who are walking in every single week experiencing life change through Jesus. Last year at Easter, we had 130 people. This year at Easter, we had four. 430 people. That is a That is a 335% increase in one single year. And you know what the crops mean? Crap. And it's your job to shovel this church. You're the men. It's your job to shovel. It's your job to pick up the shovel, to get to work, because this is your church. Redemption Church is your church. Get in a community group. Get on the serve team. Go to next steps. Take responsibility for your church. Come help me shovel this crap, because I'm getting tired of shoveling yours. Do you think Jesus shook responsibility? No, of course not. What did Jesus do? Was Jesus' barn clean? No, his barn was a mess. You know why? Because the world is his barn. And this world was a mess. And Jesus leaves heaven, he enters into this world, and then he just spends 33 years of his life just shoveling. Shoveling Satan, shoveling sin, shoveling religious leaders, shoveling the Pharisees, shoveling sick people, shoveling demons, shoveling 5,000 people getting fed in a single day. That's a whole lot of shoveling. Jesus comes and he shovels sin, death. Jesus shovels hell. He goes to the cross where he dies in your place and he's been shoveling your sins. It's time for you to get a shovel. Jesus ain't scared. 
It's time for you to get a shovel. People say, oh, Pastor Byron, when are we going to get a men's ministry? Hey, when we get some men to do the ministry, then we will. Say, so we have a youth ministry, we have a children's ministry, we have a women's ministry. When are we going to get a, get, get, get a men's ministry? We have one. It's called the church. Amen. This is your church. She's your wife. Those are your kids. This is your job. He's your God. Grab a shovel. We need less boys who shave. We need more men who shovel. This world needs you, men. It's broken. It's falling apart. Where are the men who are going to stand up? And the men are going to say, I got my shovel. I'm ready. Put me to work, God. Pastor Byron, where you need me to go shovel? I'm here. I'm ready to shovel. I got it. So here's what I'm doing, men. Giving you your shovel. This is for you. This church needs you. I love you. And I believe in you. And I know you can do this. Third group we're going to talk to is we're going to talk to the grown men. Grown men ages 35 to 60. Can you do me a favor and stand up? Let's give these grown men a big round of applause. Grown men, you are in the best years of your life. You are in the power years of your life. These are the most important years of your life. Don't waste them. Invest them. Here's the word for you. My son, do not forget my teachings, but let your heart keep my commandments. For the length of your days and the years of your life, peace that will be added to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your hearts. For you grown men, the young men, they're the sons. Those other men, they're the brothers. For you, you're the fathers. I need you to grab a seat. As you read through the book of Proverbs, it's always addressed to the son. I need you to see that you're the father here. He says, my son, my son, my son, my son, my son. Listen to my instructions. Do not forsake my teaching. When you read through the book of Proverbs, I need you to begin to see yourself as the father. And then look around and see all the sons. God gave you a particular dignity when he called you a father. He's sharing his title with you. You're a father. We don't live in a world who loves dads. We live in a demonic culture that demonizes dads. If you turn on the TV, every single TV show, the dad is an idiot. <laughs> the kids are disrespectful. The wife is nagging, talking down to him all the time, and the pet comes in and saves the day. The pet's the hero, not the dad. It's demonic, and it's not true. The Bible doesn't see you that way. That's not what the Bible sees. The Bible sees that God puts you in that home so that way you can be a father. That God brought you into this church so that way you can be a father. The Bible sees you totally different than the way the culture sees you, the way the world sees you, and the world will want to continue to put you down because they don't know what to do with you. We need fathers. Just, just look around. I, I just want you to just think, if you were raised without a father in your home, if you were raised in a broken home, could you do me a favor? Could you raise your hand? Look around. You have a wonderful opportunity to bring healing to an entire generation as a father. 
There's a deep father wound in our nation. And you have an opportunity to bring healing. And here's how you do it. Two things. You start with your home. For you men, you're grown men. Your job is to do more than just provide for your family. Your job is to provide spiritually for them as well. Amen. You don't just think financially. You need to start thinking spiritually for your family. Your job is to do more than just put a roof over their head. It's to put the Bible in their hands. Your job is to do more than put food on the table. Your job is to be able to put the Holy Spirit in their hearts. You need to start seeing yourself as a father in your home. If you would just pray for your wife every single day, if you would just pray for your kids every single day, I promise you that God will bless it. I promise you that God will take it, multiply it, and I promise that you will begin to grow more in your life. You need to be a father in your home. And you also need to be a father in our church. That these young men, they need a spiritual father. Every single week I have young men and come up to me and they say, Pastor Byron, I don't know how to read my Bible. Pastor Byron, I don't know how to pray. Pastor Byron, I don't know how to you know, get this girl to go out with me on a date. Pastor Byron, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know what God's will for my life is. And every single time, one of these young men come up to me and say, Pastor Byron, I don't know how to read my Bible. You know what I think? My dad didn't do his job. Don't just put a roof over their head. Put the Bible in their hands. Don't just put food on the table. Put the word of God in their hearts. That's, that's your job as a father. But also to be a father here in our church as well. I believe that our church would double in size if we had more fathers. I believe this city would never look the same if we had more fathers. See, I could listen to a podcast. I could download a sermon. I could read 100 books, but I've never seen one. There's something different from just getting information to seeing it take place in front of you. What we need is we need, we need fathers. We need, we need modeling. We need mentoring. These young men are struggling so hard because there has never been a man in their life to be able to teach them. And we live in a culture that just downloads podcasts and reads books, but we have no fathers before us. We need you now more than ever before. And you say, well, I don't know how to do that. I, I, I never took an apologetics class. I, I think I slept through Awanas. I don't even remember going. The church doesn't need better doctrine. The church needs better dads. We don't need better theology. Our theology is good. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Jesus died on the cross, love it. Fathers, it's a different story. Our doctrine's good. If you come here, we'll teach you good doctrine, but you teach us how to be better dads. We need you. That's the word for the men, for the grown men. Lastly, we talk about the older men. Older men, ages 60 and plus. Could the older men in the church stand up for me? Older men, 60 and plus. There we go. You okay? I want to say thank you so much. Thank you so much. Those hands, they've built this country. Those hands, they build our nation, our civilization. Those hands, they've built homes. Those hands have raised children. Those hands have been faithful in marriage. Those hands have built a church. Thank you. Here's your word right here. Gray hair <laughs> is a crown of glory. 
It is gained in a righteous life. Gray hair is a crown of glory. You earn every single one of those gray hairs. Don't let one gray hair go to waste. You earn every single gray hair that you got, and you be proud of it because you earned those gray hairs. And you know what? It's a crown of glory. You know what that means? That means it comes with honor. This country doesn't honor you. We live in a nation that's obsessed with youth culture. We take young people, we put them on a screen, we put them on Instagram, we put them on Facebook, we put them out there, young people, and they just say, look, this is what it means for you to be a man. No, you are what it looks like to be a man. You can applaud that. We don't honor you like we should. This church doesn't honor you like you should. Young men, if you go up and you see one of these guys with gray hair and a beat up Bible, you need to take him out for coffee, get him Waffle House, and ask him some good questions. Because they got wisdom. The Bible has nothing good to say about young men. I don't know if you know that. I've read it several times, and here's what it says. It says that young men, their strength is their glory. Okay, That's all it says. Young men are strong. Okay, So is tequila and terrorists, like, just strong. <laughs> Not a lot and strong. But it says the splendor of the old is their gray hair. The church needs more splendor. We got strength, but we need your splendor. We got strength, but we need your wisdom. Because the truth is, strength will get you in trouble. Wisdom will keep you out of it. Strength will take you places that only wisdom can keep you. We got a lot of men who got a lot of strength, but we need more men like you who got wisdom. God. So here's my word for you. If you're not dead, God's not done. God's got work for you to do. There is no retirement in the kingdom of God. There is no vacation in the kingdom of God. You can take a nap when you get to heaven. You can go sit on the beach next to the crystal seas. You can take a long walk on the road of gold. But when you get to heaven, you'll get your reward right now. We need your crown. We need your glory. We need your righteousness. We need your wisdom. We need those gray hairs in the church now more than ever before. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for 60 years. Some of you have been in the church for 60 years. It looks a lot different, but the methods have changed and the message is the same. That's 60 years of the gospel truth. That's 60 years loving the same woman. That's 60 years raising your kids. That's 60 years working a job. That's 60 years of promotion. That's 60 years of wisdom. That's 60 years of life that we need now more than ever before. Older men, if you're not dead, God's not done. This church needs you. For you young men, look at these older men. That's your future. This is your future. Old, gray, wrinkly hands holding on to the same woman for 50 years with dirt under your fingernails, a beat-up Bible, and a legacy left behind you. That you'll have children and grandchildren who love the Lord and run in through the lobby. You'll have a crown of glory. You'll have a legacy. You'll have righteousness before the Lord if you don't blow it. That's your future. Gray hair, crown of glory, honor in your life. To the older men, thank you so much. Let's give another honor for the older men in our church. We need men now more than ever before. I know it's not popular to say that, but I don't care. 
We need men, and not just biological men. We need biblical men. We need spiritual men. We need men who are filled with the Holy Spirit. We need men who have strength in their spine. We need men who have their boots on. We need men who are willing to shovel. We need men who are going to lift up holy hands. We need men who are going to love their wives, who are going to bless their children, who are going to serve their church, who are going to love their Lord, and are going to leave a legacy behind them. Men, you don't need encouragement. You need exhortation. You need a shovel in your hand. You need a vision for your future. You need something to do. You need a call to action. And this is your call today. Where are the men? Where are you at? What are you doing? Where do you go? We need the men. Men, you better be going to church. Men, you better be loving your wife. Men, you better be serving your kids because they deserve better. Our women deserve better men. Our children deserve better men. Our wives deserve better men. And you're that man. We need men now more than ever before because you, Paul says, are the glory of God. You are the pinnacle of God's creation. It's time for you to be that man. It's time for you to act like that man. For the young men, it's time for you to listen. Where are the, where are the men who are going to shovel Where are the grown men who are going to be fathers? Where are the old men who are going to share their glory with the generations that come behind them? Where are all the men? We need you now more than ever. We need you. It's time for you to take responsibility. It's time for you to take ownership. It's time for you to get off the sidelines, get back in the game. We need men, and we need your wisdom. Proverbs, all about it. Every responsibility demands a response. So here's what we're going to do. For you men, I want you to fill out a connect card. Today, as a commitment to serve in your church, Say, sign me up. I'm going to grab my shovel to serve in your church in some way, to get in a community group, to get connected some way other than just filling a seat on a Sunday. This is your church. We need you. Well, thanks again for tuning in with us here at Redemption Church. If this message was helpful to you in any way, leave a review, like, comment, or share with your friends to help others experience life change through Jesus. Oh!